0: number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811, all over the country, regardless of age, regardless of sex, regardless of what you do with your genitalia, regardless of race, regardless of faith, every corner of the country, Joe Biden is despised. Every corner of the country is concerned about the man's incapacity. The problem is we have two and a half years left of this. Now, there is something in the Constitution that exists for this very reason. If somebody is incapacitated, and we all know he is, that's the purpose of the 25th Amendment. But the 25th Amendment envisions a patriotic cabinet. Patriotic parties. You'll notice that Mitch McConnell hasn't even mentioned the 25th Amendment. Of course, the Democrats are not going to. Nancy Pelosi would support an orange juice can in the Oval Office if it was labeled a Democrat. So the 25th Amendment, like the rest of the Constitution, like the rest of our laws, envision envision, uh, patriots. I don't mean patriots in the sense that they agree with us. I mean patriots in the sense that they agree with the rule of law, but they don't. Most Democrats surveyed, it's a New York Times-Siena College poll, In the Hill, now you know they would do everything they could to help Biden, but they can't. It's that bad. Said they would prefer a candidate other than Biden as the party's nominee in 2024. The New York Times Santa College poll found 64% of Democrats questioned said they would prefer a different candidate. 26% of Democrats said they would still support Biden in the next presidential election. Those are the dead enders. When asked why they would support a new candidate, 33% of Democrats cited age as their main reason. 32% said job performance. 12% said they will prefer someone new. And 10% said Biden is not progressive enough. 10%. So all this talk about these so-called progressives, a.k.a. the Leninists in the Democrat Party, they represent 10%. And you know what? Across the board, it's the 10 percent, the 5 percent, the 1 percent that seem to drive this nation's policies, whether it's transgenderism, whether it's this uh, racist. Uh, born uh, at a colleges and universities, mentality, CRT. Forty four percent of all respondents said they would cast their vote for Biden in the 2024 presidential election were held today. Forty one percent said they would vote for Trump if he's the 2024 presidential candidate. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, these people would still vote for somebody who they know is mentally unsound. That's how you get all these Democrats in office. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, AOC, they're all mentally unsound. White House has consistently said Biden, who will be 80 years old in November... Tends to run for re-election in 2024. You know, these, these White House people, Biden, the Democrat Party, are making a mockery of this country. Recent polling numbers, however, shows approval rating is dipped among Americans. 76% of respondents said they believe the U.S. is headed in the wrong direction. 13% believe he's headed in the right direction. Those, of course, are bureaucrats and his uh, White House staff. When asked what is the most important problem the country is facing, twenty percent said the economy. Fifteen percent said inflation, cost of living. Ten percent said gun policies. Five percent said abortion. So those five percent again—they drive the narrative that's going on on TV and everywhere else. Well, truth is, the Democrats want to <laughs> get rid of him. Because they know they can't win with them. And they know as a campaign goes on, a long campaign, three years' time or so, two and a half years' time or so, uh, which is a long time for somebody truly who's in mental decline, um, that it'll even come out worse. That it'll be even more obvious what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with somebody who just can't do it. And therefore, the people around him who are extraordinarily radical are running the country. There's a reason you never hear from Susan Rice. You never hear about Susan Rice. Do you know she's at the White House? She's the invisible hand. She's Barack Milhouse, Benito's Obama's operative within the Biden administration. Ron Klain, the chief of staff, long-time leftist in Washington, D.C. But he's not alone. Again, he's surrounded by these radicals, surrounded by them in each department. I mean, have you ever heard people appointed who have demonstrated their love of communism and then they have to pull the name and then uh, uh, the anti-Semites, then they got to pull their name and stuff like that goes on all the time with this administration. But they act like it doesn't. They act like it doesn't. Now, Joe Biden's at the White House today. He's trying to change the subject. He tells us the right to bear arms is not absolute. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the most regulative of our 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, is the Second Amendment at the federal and state level. So nobody said it's absolute in the sense that, I guess, It doesn't mean you can do anything or own anything, but that doesn't mean that if it's not absolute that the current government under the current party can do whatever it wants to do. We're going to ban assault weapons. What does that mean? They can't even assign a term to what assault weapons actually mean. They hold up weapons that are not assault weapons. But I told you when they passed this law, bipartisan, don't you know, that it would be as if nothing happened. It's just a a first step to never, never land. This is the Bill of Rights. It's the Bill of Rights. The problem is if the government can chip so thoroughly away at one of them, it will create a precedent for chipping away at all of them. Do you know why they're so angry over this abortion decision? You want to know the truth? Because for 100 years or more, the Democrat Party's so-called intelligentsia, some of the Republican intelligentsia too, but predominantly the Democrat intelligentsia, they understood that the way you take over the United States of America is not through the bottom up or the middle out phrases that Biden uses because the American people are not the communist proletariat, poised to overthrow their government because of the bourgeoisie, despite the fact the Democrat Party uses these Marxist propaganda. It'll be through imposition. The imposition of the ideology. The Supreme Court. If they cannot control... There are trajectory of issues, whether they're cultural or otherwise. They cannot control you. They cannot control you. The Supreme Court has effectively nationalized cultural issues. Because, like the Marxist left, the Supreme Court has understood over the decades that the, cons- the, the culture can devour the politics This decision in Roe was in the works for a decade. And it had been in place now for almost half a century. This is why they keep saying privacy rights, privacy rights, privacy rights. They created this privacy right. The ACLU did. How do we know this? Because they said so, and I wrote about it in Men in Black, my first book. So first it was contraceptives. Nobody could really object to that. Then it was who could get them and who could issue them not a big deal to most states or most people as a matter of fact it was weird that the Supreme Court took up the case then they moved into the so called privacy right of the bedroom the woman's body then they moved into the privacy right of marriage privacy right soon of transgenderism And so if you have a Supreme Court that says, why are we involved in all this with respect to abortion? Why why are we involved in all this? We don't have any standing as a constitutional institution to be involved in this. And they threw it back to the states, where the Supreme Court had worked for decades to take it, steal it from the states because you had majorities of the court, whether they be Republican or Democrat, parties irrelevant, who embrace the Woodrow Wilson view, the early progressive view, that the courts are where the power is and that they should use the courts to shape, push, pull the culture, which will then pull, push, shape the politics. So in these five justices in the Dobbs decision, said, no, actually, we don't have anything to say here. That was a strike against the Marxists in this country. The 10 percenters, as the poll shows. The 10 percenters who have been able to control so much just by controlling the court. And when Clarence Thomas said, you know, maybe we had to look at some of these other issues. I'm not saying, of course, that these aren't rights, but this privacy right that they developed over the decades, this doesn't seem right to us. It doesn't seem right to me. And again, I'm not saying this decision goes any further than it goes, says Clarence Thomas. But maybe, maybe when they talk about substantive due process, of which there is no such thing, we got to take a look at that. And then they go absolutely bat as crazy, which is why Biden keeps talking about it, even though the other four justices never mentioned it. That's why they're protesting, that's why they're chasing justices, that's why they're threatening them, that's why there's been a death threat against one, that's why Pelosi has been silent in the face of the violence, even encouraging it, that's why Schumer encouraged violence against at least two Supreme Court justices, that's why the Attorney General of the United States refuses to arrest any one of these people, because they want their court back. They want their power back. They want the control back. That's why. I'll be right back. Mark in. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why I'm Primus. Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty is so important, In Primus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for hillsdale.com. There's so much to get to. We're going to bob and weave and move from issue to issue, but I don't want to give short shrift to something that happened today, literally maybe an hour ago in a federal court in Washington, D.C. You know, you prepare your defense when you go to trial, particularly if it's a criminal trial, particularly if you're accused of something like... uh, Contempt of Congress. So there is a judge, Carl Nichols. Seems to have a very good pedigree. Clerk for Lawrence Silberman. Clerk for Clarence Thomas. Served in the Bush Justice Department for a period of time. You know, a lot of these judges, like most of these circuits, but in Washington, D.C. in particular, they all eat in their little I won't call it cafeteria, their own little area. And they chit-chat about other cases. And the whole dynamics changes from the time that they're appointed to the time that they start ruling on major cases. There's a lot of major cases in Washington, D.C. So Steve Bannon has a fantastic lawyer, absolutely fantastic lawyer. And... um there's a discussion going on now between Bannon and this committee, the January 6th Stalinist rogue operation, because President Trump waived executive privilege on Bannon. And so Bannon is now free to testify. So what did the judge do? Regardless of his pedigree, what did this judge, Carl Nichols, do? basically took all of his defenses away. Uh, with a string of setbacks to weigh up, Yahoo News uh, reports it, stands trial July 18. He rejected Bannon's effort to call House members, and his lawyer openly wondered, quote, what's the point of going to trial here if there are no defenses? The judge refused to delay the July 18 trial on contempt, rejecting Bannon's request to push back the closely Watched criminal proceeding in light of Publicity around the House committee The judge said I see no reason for extending this case any longer While I'm certainly cognizant of Mr. Bannon's Concerns regarding publicity In my view the correct mechanism At this time for addressing that concern Is through the jury selection process Well that's not the correct mechanism A lot of cases are moved Because of uh, What takes place in a town Particularly one that's 92% To get your free subscription, go to LevinforHillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com.
1: Mark Levin, the conscience of conservatism. Call Mark now at 877-381-3811.
0: Now, this judge knows, smart enough to know, he was a political appointee in the Bush Justice Department, it appears. Of course, I never heard of him before, but so be it. This Judge uh, Nichols, one second, he, uh, he knows full well, Carl Nichols, what's going on with this committee. His name's not Helen Keller. His name's Carl Nichols. Seems smart enough, having those clerkships. He knows that that committee does not allow due process. He knows that that committee does not allow opposition. He knows that committee does not allow Evidence that is exculpatory to an issue or to an individual. He knows that committee does not allow contrary witnesses. He knows that that committee, operating in secret most of the time, has squelched and censored information that would be helpful to President Trump, to the American people, to Mr. Bannon and others. He knows that. This judge knows exactly what's going on with this committee. That it is unprecedented in its makeup. It's unprecedented in its abuse of tax dollars. And that it's unprecedented in the kind of net that it has thrown all over the country. And that its mission to investigate January 6th is actually a mission to investigate Donald Trump. For which it really has no authority whatsoever. He knows this committee has not sought any information from Nancy Pelosi, or for my knowledge, a single Democrat. Not one. Not one Democrat. He knows this. Now, if you're an individual and you're facing a Stalinist enterprise like this, well your name is Steve Bannon or anything else, It's irrelevant that you're concerned because this committee is also colluding with the United States Department of Justice. So it's using Stalinist tactics. It's violating the Constitution. It's a quasi-criminal investigative enterprise. And you make yourself available to that committee if you don't toe the line. Well, you could be facing very, very serious jail time. So the idea that Judge Carl Nichols wouldn't even allow counsel to have additional time as they begin negotiating with the House Committee on the say-so of the Department of Justice. And the idea that he blithely says that, well, you can work out some of these issues, you know, on jury selection, I guess he didn't see the Michael Sussman case, or he was blind to it. We'll be monitoring this judge very, very carefully in this trial. I'm no special pleader for Steve Batten. I haven't talked to him in years and years and years. So that's quite beside the point, too. But I know injustice when I see it. I know injustice when I see it. Department of uh, Justice says their prosecutors say, well, you know, this is a matter that took place nine months ago. It has nothing to do with anything. Uh, Negotiating testimony has nothing to do with anything. That's the sole purpose of the litigation, right? They held him in contempt for not cooperating. Well, he didn't even provide them a single document. I guess that's why they're negotiating now. Do you start sending documents before you negotiate? They said they were negotiating. He wasn't surrendering. They were negotiating. Now, smarter this Judge Nichols might be, book smart, he's apparently not the uh, brightest bulb when it comes to the tactics of the left in this completely out-of-control Justice Department, in this out-of-control committee. And I seriously doubt that when he was a political appointee in the Bush administration, he would have been... Okay about being dragged in front of a committee like this and just bleeding his guts. Right, Mr. Nichols? Right? And of course, defense counsel shown, who again is a a fantastic lawyer, he's right. How the hell am I supposed to defend my client? You just gave the Department of Justice virtually every single request that it's made. How am I supposed to defend him? That's David Schoen. What's the point? And he had noted the number of outstanding pre-trial matters and openly wondered whether he could effectively present a defense without a delay at the trial. Well, it's a good question, but they didn't delay it. How hard would it have been to delay it 30 days? Given what's at stake here. They said Trump lawyer. Lo- Excuse me. Let's see here. Prosecutors said Bannon's purported desire to testify before the House committee should not sidetrack the trial. Why not? In court today, Assistant U.S. Attorney Molly Gaston said Bannon committed his offense last year when he refused to give testimony or turn over documents. His decision months later to agree to sit for questioning has no bearing on the criminal... It has every bearing on the criminal... This is amazing to me. This is how processes work. Right? This isn't a straight-up criminal case. There's a lot of politics involved here. There's a lot of constitutional questions. I don't know, Molly, what should they have done? Start giving documents up left and right, left and right, left and right, prior to the end or even beginning of negotiations? Now that would have been stupid, don't you think, Molly? Don't you think Judge Nichols? The overnight court filing, prosecutors said Bannon's last-minute efforts to testify almost nine minutes after his default, he's made no effort to produce records, are irrelevant to whether he willfully refused to comply in October 2021 with the select committee subpoena. His sudden wish to testify is not a genuine effort to meet his obligations, but a last dip Ditch attempt to avoid accountability. Now, how would he avoid accountability? How would he avoid accountability? Might take a little longer, but how would he avoid accountability? He's negotiating with a trial hanging over his head. That's a gun to his head. So how would it avoid accountability? And yes, it was nine months earlier. So what? So what? Let the committee decide if they still want his testimony or documents. And they had such a horrendous request by Bannon's Defense Committee. First, they asked for a delay in late June, three weeks before the trial schedule, June 18, start, to avoid the media blitz. They argued the panel's hearings had generated an unprecedented level of prejudicial pre-trial publicity. Is there any doubt about that? They said, how about no earlier than mid-October? I guess they're in a hurry. And the judge played right into the committee's demands and right into the prosecutor's demands. This committee wants all this stuff before the election. And so does the United States Department of Justice under Biden and the Democrats. They want to get their report out. They want to get whatever convictions they think they can get, whatever indictments they think they can get. They want it all out before the midterm. And this Judge Nichols wasn't smart enough to figure it out. He wasn't smart enough to figure it out. Federal prosecution pushed back, arguing in the House January 6th Committee's most recent hearings, and the news of them have nothing to do with it. Sure. The committee thinks it does. Now, this committee, thank goodness for just the news, seven whoppers peddled by the House Democrats' January 6th committee. I actually count more, but that's okay. Trump incited the riot. The second impeachment of former President Trump was based on Democrats' claims that Trump incited the Capitol riot in a speech at the January 6th Stop the still rally. Trump didn't meet the legal threshold for incitement, according to the timeline of events. The Capitol was breached before Trump's speech even ended. The deployment of the National Guard on January 6th was delayed. Both the Defense Department Inspector General and Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman General Mark Milley said the National Guard wasn't delayed in its deployment. The DOD had offered to make them available four days before the riot, but was rebuffed by then Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sun. Sun later reversed his position. But his belated request for guard troops was denied by the Sergeant at Arms, Michael Stanger, and the House Sergeant at Arms, Paul Irving. They're both appointed. The one is appointed by Pelosi. Trump signed an order nonetheless on January 4 to deploy 20,000 guardsmen if the request came by Congress. They said XNYPD Commissioner Bernie Kerik was in Washington, D.C. on January 5th for the meeting to discuss overturning the 2020 election results. But he was not. He was in New York City for a family emergency. They lied. Representative Scott Perry asked Trump for a presidential pardon regarding January 6th. The vice chair of the committee, Dizzy Lizzy, claimed Perry contacted the White House on weeks after January 6th. To seek a presidential pardon, both Perry and Trump's spokeswoman, Liz Harrington, disputed the claim. Perry said he was in the Capitol doing my legislative duties on January 6th. He said the notion that I sought a presidential pardon for myself or other members is outrageous. Representative Barry Lauterbach, Republican George, led a reconnaissance mission inside the Capitol on January 5th. That was the accusation. But even the Capitol Police refuted the allegation citing an exhaustive review of security footage that turned up no evidence that Milk entered the U.S. Capitol with constituents on January 5. He was on a tour with only, only in the Rayburn office building across the street from the Capitol, and his constituents never entered the Capitol building. Democrats still claim Lauderback entered the Capitol and using the tour as a front, even though he never did. Senator Ron Johnson was accused of being involved in a conspiracy to to force alternate electors on Vice President Pence. But he never handed slates of alternate electors to Pence, as alleged. Rather, Johnson's staff received an urgent request regarding alternate slates of electors from Michigan and Wisconsin. Asked Pence staff about it and stood down after the Vice President's aide said they already knew about it. The information was to have arrived in the mail. So it never happened. None of these things ever happened. Trump tried to grab the steering wheel of a presidential vehicle to divert it to the Capitol on January 6th. Cassidy Hutchinson, more on her in a minute. I mean, she really does need to be investigated for false testimony under oath now. A former junior aide to Trump Chief of Staff Meadows told the January 6th committee she heard the account from White House Deputy Chief of Staff of Operations Tony Ornado. Hutchinson also testified that Trump... Lunged for Secret Service agent Robert Engel after trying to grab the steering wheel. That Engel was allegedly in the room when, or- when Ornado conveyed the account. But Secret Service said Trump didn't lunge for the steering wheel or Engel. Ornado, Engel, and presidential vehicle driver also said they would testify under oath. And in fact, her whole timeline is screwed up. It's off by 14 months. In other words, she was never told anything. She never signed a note she said she signed. Eric Hirschman, another lawyer, said he signed it. And there's more. So for this judge, Nichols, to say, no, no, no we got to get on with this prosecution, not to think this through rationally, not to see what's taking place is really, in my view, Appalling. I see no reason for extending this case any longer, said Judge Carl Nichols at the close of an hours-long hearing in the federal court. I do, Judge. This is a rogue operation. It's run by the Democrat Party. There are absolutely no rules that allow for individuals to challenge what's taking place. No staff to challenge what's taking place. No members to challenge. Nothing. Nothing. It's all public propaganda. It's choreographed. And now you're part of it. You're a sucker. You fell for it. I'll be right back.
1: Mark in
0: Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever. And it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all. Whether America deserves our love. That's why I'm Primus. Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For fifty years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for hillsdale.com. You know, on last night's Life, Liberty, and Levin, I had two guests. The first guest was retired four-star General David Petraeus. Now, the way I do this show on Sunday nights is to let people speak so you can hear what they have to say. There were several times during my interview of General Petraeus, I just must tell you, where I bit my tongue, where I was grinding my teeth. And I was thinking, should I interrupt or not? Let me let him speak so people can hear what he has to say. And that's exactly what I did. He would not criticize Biden. He would not criticize the Biden administration for their slow-less, slow, slowness in reacting to Russia early on, in my view, and their failure to arm Ukraine as their failing to arm Taiwan. And there were several points on that interview where I really wanted to say something. But I said, no, I'm going to stick to my plan, which is you need to hear what he has to say and draw your own conclusions. You need to throw objects at the TV if you want to. Maybe you didn't. The other thing is man has served the country. Brilliantly, mostly got into some trouble, as we all know. But what I concluded from this is this is a brilliant general, a brilliant man who's highly political. Did you see it, Stephen? Didn't you, but didn't you conclude something similar? That, uh, I don't see the same, same with Jack Keen. He just calls it the way he sees it pretty much. Says isn't to put him down, and I'm not going to put him down. I'm just saying that, uh, well, if those of you who saw the interview, you draw your own conclusions, as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to spend my whole life on this, but uh, SIP alone, the president's counsel, testified to this committee, too. And the report in Breitbart by our buddy Pollock is they apparently didn't ask him many questions that would put him at odds with Cassidy uh, Hutchinson. Because the problem for Hutchinson would be one of truth telling under oath, penalty of perjury. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's He's here.
1: He's here.
0: Biden uh, mentioned the other day about this 10-year-old girl that was raped and had to go across state lines to get an abortion. People are raising questions about the legitimacy of this story. I don't have the foggiest idea. But it is a if true a grotesque a grotesque crime and republicans are being asked well do you think that baby should be born do you think that baby should be born now you know my feelings on abortion But if it's a 10-year-old little girl, I think the family has to make those decisions in a case like that. I'm not trying to be provocative or controversial or consistent or inconsistent, but here's what I do know. When I interviewed Bill Malusian last night on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and we're pulling the clip, Well, let's play it he said this go let me ask you this bill malusion do we know how many people have died on the border or near the border since joe biden has been president yes or no
2: we don't have an exact number i know that fox's griff jenkins obtained a number from dhs a few days ago and i believe that number was over 550 uh this year i can't i don't know what the 2021 numbers were but i believe there have been more than 550 migrant deaths so far uh, in, uh, in fiscal year 2022. We do know the numbers are essentially the the highest they've ever been.
0: Do we know how many women have been raped?
2: We don't, but I can tell you a horrific story. Uh, late last year, uh, our team and I, we were in the Rio Grande Valley. We were in La Jolla, Texas. We were just patrolling like we normally do. And we came across um, a law enforcement scene, there was migrants on the ground, you know, police, an ambulance, and we got out to shoot some video and border patrol asked us to really stay back and they seemed more flustered than normal. So we, we realized something was going on. We saw these two little girls on the ground and we later found out they were being treated by an EMT. We later found out they were, I think five or six years old each, and they had just been, both of them had been raped by a, a cartel coyote or a, a smuggler. It was horrific.
0: So I do know that happened, for sure. That two girls, five or six years old, were raped by a smuggler or an operative for the cartels. Our border is wide open. And this is something Joe Biden can actually do something about. Securing the border. The inhumanity that's taking place on that border right now is the greatest secret that is not told by the New York Times and the Washington Post and the rest of the Washington Press Corps. There's only one news organization with individuals down on that border day in and day out, and this Bill Malusian is unbelievable. So why don't we try and prevent these things from happening in the first place? Now that was on national TV last night with the highest rated primetime nighttime show on the weekend for cable news. It was heard by anywhere from
1: 1.5
0: to 2.1 or 2.2 million viewers. It wasn't covered up. It's not a secret. But it was revealed for the first time on my program. For the first time. Do you know how many follow-up questions we've gotten? None. Do you know how many news organizations played that clip? Not one. Not one. He's a reporter. He's on the border. Not one. Not one journalist followed up. Not one. Because it doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't push the agenda. And for news organizations, they're certainly not going to focus on this, are they? Why didn't the media run with that story? I don't have an anonymous source or anything like that. There he is. The reporter on the scene, Bill Malusian. There I am, the host. You can ask us any questions you want. Any follow up stories in the print press? Not one. Any follow up stories on cable? Not one. Any follow up stories on network TV? Not one. Not one. How about Fred Ryan, the CEO of the Washington Post, also the chairman of the Reagan board? No, he didn't do anything. How about the Schulzberger family that runs the New York Times? Not a thing. I can go down the list. I don't want to embarrass any more people. Not even in conservative press did they pick up on this. Not even in the conservative press. On any platform. That border is wide open. This is happening all the time. There's over 100,000 little kids running around there. They're trying to find places for them. There have been. Women are being abused and molested all the time. And not just women, little kids. Is this just too partisan? Of a story? No. It's we pretend this isn't going on, so it must not be going on. You know where else horrific inhumanity of this sort is taking place? In the Ukraine. On our southern border and in the Ukraine and by the way, other places in the world too, but I'm making a point, on our southern border and in the Ukraine. How many primetime news shows talk about what's going on in Ukraine, the of rape, executions? It sounds like the Third Reich. Not at that level, obviously, but it's just, it's genocide. I can't turn my back to that. I had a dear friend of mine say to me, that, uh, last night I guess it was, look, this is just another one of these long wars we're involved in. I said, what do you mean we're involved in? We're sending money, we're sending military uh, equipment. We don't have any troops there. He said, well, if it's going to be a long, drawn-out thing, let's get it over with. I said, get it over with. If you're one of the people whose whose family's being slaughtered, you don't want to get it over with. You want to fight for your lives. I was shocked. I was shocked. Get it over with? As we go on with our lives, right? So I asked the press out there, are you going to follow up on what Bill Malusian told me last night or not? You're going to follow up? Because we know the border patrol was there. We know it's a real story. We know that the border's wide open. You want to follow up and see how much more this is going on? This is why I asked the question from the reporter who knows more than anybody else down there. How many rapes have occurred? They're not keeping track of them. Biden administration's not keeping track. How many children have been molested, I asked the Biden administration's not keeping track. How many people have died? The best we can tell is fill in the blank. How many people have died or otherwise suffered under Biden's open border policy, which allows the criminals to take control because we are overwhelmed down there? How many little kids are being molested? They want to talk about abortion. They want to confront Republicans. I'm asking as a result of Joe Biden's policies, his policies. How many little girls are getting pregnant on the border, Mr. Biden, and getting molested, and little boys, too, for that matter? How many women How many rapes, Mr. Biden, do you know? Do you care? How about you, Kamala? Root cause Kamala? They don't know and they don't care. They don't know and they don't care. That's not to mention all the other crime that's taking place. How many people have been murdered or killed? And how many have died just trying to come across? We don't know. And the media doesn't want to know. Two little girls, five or six years old, raped. Bill Malusion tells me that about 24 hours ago. And that's the end of it. Not a single news person or news operation picks up on it and pursues it. Not one. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Levin.
0: Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to PureTalk dot com, select a plan, then enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, that's Levin Podcast. That's L E V I N Podcast, and save fifty percent off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than ten minutes. So go to PureTalk dot com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. In my view if if people, Republicans, or those who are pro-life generally, would approach this issue by challenging others to understand what the Democrats really stand for when it comes to abortion. I think people would have a much better idea of just how radical that party and their supporters are. Abortion up to the last second. And Beth Whitehead over at the Federalist, she points out a new abortion poll from the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists illuminates how media and abortion activists are able to skew public opinion by keeping people in the dark about the practice. In other words, lying about it. Once Americans understand the grisly details of what Roe v. Wade really entailed, their opinions change dramatically. Well, imagine how they would feel today beyond Roe v. Wade. For instance, while the pro-abortion media routinely tout Roe as majority supported, more than half of the poll uh, respondents opposed Roe v. Wade once they learned it allowed for late-term abortions. 53% said they support versus 31% said they opposed Roe when it was presented to them as the keystone to recognizing abortion as a so-called constitutional right which is the left's framing of the issue. But when participants learned Roe allowed for late-term abortions, when unborn babies can feel pain, those numbers reversed. 56% said they opposed. 28% said they supported it. The trend of participants switching positions once they knew more facts continued throughout the poll when asked if they supported or opposed Late term abortion, 74% of Republicans opposed, only 36% of Democrats. Almost half the Democrats survey said they support late term abortions. But once participants were asked if a fetus counts as a human life when it has a heartbeat at six weeks, begins to move its eyes at 12 weeks, or can feel pain at 14 weeks, the Democrat position on late term abortion shifted. 59% of respondents, including 49% of Democrats, now said they support abortion bans if there's an indication of life. 68% of participants thought a fetus is a human being, once it has a heartbeat at six weeks. And once they were reminded a fetus has a unique DNA blueprint as soon as sperm meets egg, a whopping 66% said a fetus is a human life at conception. After answering questions about the humanity of unborn children, 55% of respondents said abortion's should be prohibited between zero and six weeks gestation. It's clear to see how public opinion changes where knowledge about human life and development increases. We call that the science. But left-wing activists and media have a vested interest in hiding the cruel realities of abortion. After all, the abortion lobby, led by the likes of Planned Parenthood, capitalizes on this ignorance. I didn't know that Jake Tapper's wife had been a regional Planned Parenthood activist. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? Once you learn these things, you see where all the bias comes down, folks. Now, these activists have fought ultrasound requirements for years to keep women from seeing the undeniable baby boys or girls growing in their wombs and are now promoting the chemical abortion pill as a safe, easy way to simply undo a pregnancy. Despite the grave danger it poses to women, another fact the poll highlighted, These polls are really important as they show what people think once they've been educated, said Dr. Christiana Francis, a board-certified OBGYN. When it comes to abortion, Americans' ignorance is the left's bias. And so the question is, really, what percentage of the American people support late-term abortion, let alone up to the last minute before birth, very very small percentage and yet 49 Democrats in the United States Senate voted for it voted to eliminate every single obstacle, regulation to aborting at the last minute and would have imposed it on the entirety of the country can not we at least all agree that that's outrageous? I think we all do That's where the Democrat Party stands. When we come back after the bottom of the hour, I needed to make sure I had a long enough segment to do this. This is going to upset some of you as so much of what goes on in this country does. But also remember there's a lot of good that goes on in this country, but you're not seeing it. We're not seeing it, except in our personal lives. Government, Washington, the Democrats, the rhinos, the never-Trumpers, they're very, very negative, in some cases, evil, you know, activists. But this one, this one is a bit of a punch gut. In the New York Post, Monticello is going woke. Monticello. And trashing Thomas Jefferson legacy in the process. So now if you go to Thomas Jefferson's home in Charlottesville, Virginia you don't learn about Jefferson you learn to hate Jefferson to hate him these people are everywhere on the radical Marxist left you take your kid to Monticello you want to hear about Jefferson you don't hear about Jefferson you hear about The Smear of Jefferson. I want to explain this to you when we return. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first thinking, Well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code that's L-E-V-I-N, Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N-PODCAST and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast.
1: The establishment's worst nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811. New York Post.
0: Monticello is going woke and trashing Thomas Jefferson's good name in the process. The Charlottesville, Virginia home of the founding father and America's third president is one of our best-known national monuments, familiar with its appearance on the nickel since... 1938, but the Hilltop Mansion designed by Jefferson himself, once preserved as a tribute to the author of the Declaration of Independence, now offers visitors a harangue on the horrors of slavery. The whole thing has the feel of propaganda and manipulation. Jeffrey Tucker founded Libertarian Brownstone Institute, and a recent visitor told the Post, people on my tour seem sad and demoralized. The new emphasis is the culmination of a 10-year effort to balance the historical record, officials of the Thomas Jefferson Foundation, the nonprofit that owns the estate, have said. But visitors complain that employees go out of their way to belittle Jefferson and his life. The tour guides play Besmirchment Derby, never missing a chance to defame this brilliant, complex man, Stephen Owen of Enochville, uh, North Carolina, wrote on Facebook. Half of the comments on Jefferson were critical, wrote William Bales of Chester, Virginia, in an online review after visiting in June. Even my 11-year-old daughter noticed the bias. Tucker described his guide last month as surly and dismissive of Jefferson's accomplishments. Someone asked if Jefferson had built a machine in the house, and the guide said, nah, he never built anything. He was just a tinkerer. It was ridiculous. He was the architect of this house and of the University of Virginia. What are you talking about? He replied. Jefferson's life story is full of thorny contradictions. The world's foremost proponent of liberty, who wrote the immortal words, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, was nonetheless a committed slave owner until his death in 1826. That's not 100% correct. They should have added a paragraph here that he was the one who added language in the first draft of the Declaration of Independence about slavery being imposed on the colonies by Britain and that they were going to eliminate it but North, uh, but uh, South Carolina and uh, Georgia threatened to leave anyway that has made him a prime target for the left they go on last year a Jefferson statue was unceremoniously booted from the New York City Council's chambers where it stood for 187 years In the past, the managers of Monticello sanitized Jefferson's history for the 27 million tourists who have flocked there since it was opened. In 1923, references to slavery were few, and signs labeled servants' quarters marked sites where Jefferson's slaves once lived. I went there many, many years ago. They didn't hide the fact that he had slaves and where the slaves lived. Our goal is to present an honest, Inclusive history of Monticello in all its aspects, as well as Jefferson's contributions to the founding of the country, said Jen Lyon, a Monticello spokes idiot. But on a visit this week, the Post found the grievance has become the predominant theme at Monticello. From the ticket booth and the visitor center decorated with a contemporary painting of Jefferson's weeping slaves to its final gift shop display. And they have photos of it in the article. Even the president's world-famous music room, an octagonal space carefully restored to its 18th-century grandeur and decorated with Gilbert Stewart's original presidential portrait and classic busts is safe from revisionist disapproval. A grim modern painting of a faceless figure with a, a matted black head uh, now looms over the room, positioned so that it directly confronts visitors as they enter the mansion. The huge... Four-foot-by-five-foot work, now a new addition to Monticello's collection. Was, quote, commissioned in honor of Juneteenth last month, said Susan Woodward, the post-guide on Wednesday. It's quite provocative, I do believe, she added. The figure's hands and face of futureless tar represent the faceless lives of all who served in bondage, witnessing but never recognized, an identifying card explains. The the iconoclastic artwork is just one of many jarring signs of over-the-top politicization of Jefferson's beloved home. Guides begin the outdoor tours of Monticello's gardens and grounds by invoking the Native Americans who once lived on the land. How does the land come to be in European possession, a guide named Justin, asked an unresponsive group of vacationers from Germany. A lot of violence, right, he prodded. Placards with conversation starters on the topics of civil rights, festoon a patio outside the snack shop. Is all men are created equal being lived up in our country today? One reads, when will we know when it is? It continues supplying a negative answer to the first. Books by critical race theory proponents, Ibrahim X. Kendi and Taneshi Coates enjoy pride of place in the visitor's gift shop while the smaller farm shop store displays five titles on Jefferson's slaves and a single biography of Jefferson himself. This is depressing. Interpretive signage throughout the estate places slavery at the forefront of each historical feature by adding the word enslaved before every possible job description, often multiple times. An enslaved cook, enslaved uh, uh, postillions... Jefferson's enslaved valet, Burwell Colbert. Meanwhile, a quote-unquote trigger warning alerts sensitive visitors outside a basement room that plays a video about Sally Hemings, the mixed-race slave who many historians believe bore Jefferson six unacknowledged children. And that first appeared in a party newspaper when Jefferson was running for president. Uh, he was attacked and it was said that he had had children uh, with a slave. And of course, that seems to be the view of most people. I have no idea. There has been, I'm, I've tried to figure this out, and I read all these stories. It's quite possible. The presentation covers difficult subject matter and can inspire strong emotions. This is a quote. We encourage you to respect the feelings of your fellow guests, the signage reads. Indeed, the story of Hemings is told in more detail and with far greater sympathy than that of the third president himself. Guides launch into Hemings' biography on the slightest pretext. And during the post-tour, a description of an interior archway in the library, as well as a comment on Jefferson's love of French cuisine in the dining room, gave Woodward openings to expound on what little is known of Hemings' life. The entire focus was on his mistress, complained Wesley Stevens of Tulsa, Oklahoma. They're trying to rewrite history to make it seem like the founding fathers were terrible, immoral creatures that happened to start a country. I don't know. I wish they'd spend a little bit more time on what Tara Reade had to say about Joe Biden, but that's a whole other story. The Thomas Jefferson Foundation is run by a roster of big-money Democratic donors and former Democratic officials. Chair Melody Barnes, a former assistant to President Barack Obama and director of the White House Domestic Policy Council. Quote, I grew up in Virginia where Jefferson was always and only celebrated. She griped in a 2018 Washington Post op-ed. Foundation President Leslie Green Bowman, who was appointed to the Committee for the Preservation of the White House by President Bill Clinton. Bowman in 2021 decried, quote, the flaws in Jefferson's promise of liberty that haunt us to this day. Vice Chair Tobias Dengel, the CEO of Virginia Tech Company, who lists his pronouns in his linked bio, donated 75000 to Biden's Super PAC and other Democratic campaigns in 2020. You can see the Democrats have taken it over. Secretary Molly Hardy, another major Dem donor, gave more than 50000 to the DNC and Hillary Clinton's PAC in 2016. Board member Renee Grisham, wife of best-selling novelist John Grisham, huge lip, won an appointment to a state foundation from Virginia's former Democratic governor Terry McCullough. Monticello's push to, quote, finish the restoration of the landscape of slavery, unquote, on the estate has largely been funded by left-leaning philanthropist David M. Rubenstein. His name is everywhere. This guy's a billionaire who fancies himself somebody who's protecting our history, who donated $20 million toward that effort in 2015. Good job, Dave. Rubenstein is a private equity billionaire, former Carter administration official, recently pledged to continue his extensive investments in China. It is on the boards of Globalist World Economic Forum, China's Xinjiang University and the Council on Foreign Relations, among others. In the long term, China has a very bright outlook. It has a large population, very hardworking people, well educated, and so forth, Rubinstein said in May. There they are, trashing, tr- trashing Jefferson. And he's praising. And he's praising the communist Chinese. He's hailed the country's government. And it's, quote, pretty good handle, unquote, on the economy. But in Virginia, George Allen, the state's former GOP governor and U.S. senator, blasted Monticello's new focus on, quote, contemporary politicization of a beautiful historic property, unquote. He said, some of this, to me, just distracts from how people can be inspired and understand Jefferson and his time and how brilliant he was, how creative he was, his innovations, how ahead of a time he was, Allen said. Douglas MacKinnon, author of The 56 Liberty Lessons from Those Who Risked All to Sign the Declaration, Agreed. It's very problematic to look at 1776 and Thomas Jefferson through the prism of 2022. You can't go back 250 years to know what was in their hearts at that time. Jefferson was the ultimate founding father of our nation. His name should not be diminished because of our political disagreements. It's not just going back 250 years it's the Democrats they wanted to serve on this board in order to destroy this institution that's what they did and it destroyed Monticello just as Fred Ryan the chairman of the Washington Post is now destroying the Reagan Library it's really unbelievable it's really grotesque I'll be right back love Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking... Well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand, the 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N, PODCAST, and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Podcast. What do they ever say about Franklin Roosevelt Memorial? Woodrow Wilson Memorial? You ever wonder about that? Why is it that every relatively modern Democrat is either praised or ignored if they don't deserve to be praised, right? The Democrat Party was the party of uh, slavery and segregation. Now it's the party of Marxism. Never the party of Americanism. But when you have on a board here, this is purposeful, the Thomas Jefferson Foundation. Former Obama and Clinton people, very wealthy, very radical. Trying to change the entire message. They're hiring radicals as, as guides, And I'm looking at the photographs in this New York Post story. It's unbelievable. And in uh, the photos, good God here, it's just uh, the life of Sally Hemings. You've got, uh, let's see here, this this massive painting. It's with, I can't tell, it's... uh, it's, a, it's blackface, is what it is. Titus Kappar's painting is meant to be provocative to view. Oh, I guess so. Um, and there's other pictures. Travelers are first greeted by a painting of Thomas Jefferson's Weeping Slaves in the Visitor Center. There's an entire download for free today to listen. Slavery at Monticello. I'm just telling you, this is supposed to be promoting Jefferson. Um, So they've, they've destroyed it. I mean, the only way to get it back is to change the board, however you do that. It's like the Reagan Library. The only way to get it back is to change the board, but the chairman has control over the thing now that the Reagans have passed away. And, of course, the diabolical effort behind this. Why would you have books by critical race theory proponents, Ibram X. Kendi and Coates, two radicals who keep pushing the racist agenda? Well, that's why. Because they keep pushing the racist agenda. You know, we're one generation away from not knowing our history. One generation away from not knowing our history. Whether it's in our classrooms or whether it's at our monuments or national parks, it's incredible. And it's been done. I know the buildup has taken years, but it's in the last 24 to 36 months. It's really been a sprint to the finish line for the left. They see opportunities and they run for it. And As I started out the show, this is why they cannot oblige a functioning Supreme Court that does not hand them what they want. And the war on the Supreme Court now is like the rest of the war on the American culture. It's horrendous. All right, I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government and they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true, and I was shocked when I read this Secret War on Cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution, against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read The War on Cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this War on Cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret World Cash Free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here.
1: He's here.
0: Well, I'm coming out of that bunker for a rare appearance and a very important event to me. Um, I'm attending the uh, Florida 2022 Sunshine Summit and Victory Dinner. It's the state GOP. It's taking place at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Hollywood, Florida, July 22 to 23rd. I will not be campaigning for any candidates. I will be uh, a moderator at two of the debates and briefly speaking there about the topics that interest me, constitutionalism and conservatism. So I'd like to encourage you to attend. It's all being led by Governor DeSantis and his wonderful wife, Casey, will be there too. You can get your tickets at sunshinesummit.org. That's sunshinesummit.org. What's going on down there is they have new congressional districts. I think there's four of them and so they're going to have debates taking place and I will be moderating two of the debates and my sincerest hope is that this becomes a pattern not only all over the country but for the presidential primary debates at some point in the future. We don't need to use corrupt media personalities and so we want to give this a try. Um, And I'm going to give it a try uh, at the invitation of the governor in Florida. And I think it's very, very important, as I say here every night, we've got to elect strong conservatives. And so I will ask tough questions of the various candidates. And uh, also there will be some other fantastic people there as well. My buddy Byron Daniels, uh, Donald's rather, Byron Donalds will be there. And uh, let's see who else here. David Rubin, Lisa Booth, Kat Kamak, Clay Travis, Molly Hemingway, the Lieutenant Governor, the uh, Attorney General, Senator Rubio. Wow! Just a whole bunch of people. But my role will be as a moderator of these two debates. There will be four debates total, but I'll be moderating two. So again, that's July 22-23, to Hollywood, Florida, at the Seminal, excuse me, Seminal Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. If you want to participate, it's sunshinesummit.org, sunshinesummit.org, check it out. All right. Quilio. Trust in the news. There is no trust in the news. None. This is from Axios, but percentage of Americans who say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers and television news. Boy, it's really eroded. According to Gallup, the erosion of trust in the media is one of the most significant signs of deepening polarization in America. No, it's a sign that the Democrat Party and the media are one and the same. And the American people are not all Democrats. And even some Democrats don't buy into the leadership. That's why the media have taken sides and push an agenda. They say political party affiliation has become the primary driver of opinions about the media's trustworthiness. Yes, that's right. I wrote an entire book on it. You may have heard of it, Unfreedom of the Press. A 2021 poll from Pew Research found the Republicans are far less likely to trust media sources that are considered mainstream. Really? Considered mainstream by whom? Television news today is considered the second least trusted institution in the country, following Congress. That's why you have the media covering January 6th, two hated institutions. While our institutions have also experienced precipitous declines, including banks and the medical system, others like small business and the military have held steady over the past few decades. The trust fall in the news media, driven mostly by Republicans, according to the data. Good. Just 5% of Republicans said they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers compared to 35% of Democrats. Now, let's stop there. So 65% of Democrats don't trust the media either, and 95% of Republicans, that is, newspapers, that's because they're run by the Washington Post and the New York Slimes and the Philadelphia Inquirer, and you can go on and on and on. I mean, I want you to think about this. 5% of Republicans say they have a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in newspapers. The guy in charge of the Washington Post is the chairman of the Reagan Library, Fred Ryan. Only 8% of Republicans said they had a great deal or quite a lot of confidence in TV news compared to 20% of Republicans. Independence views are closer generally to Republicans. To Republicans. The media trust gap between Republicans and Democrats began to widen during the Bush and Obama administrations, they say, grew dramatically during the Trump era has continued to widen. Look. Even the Democrats hate their own media. Even the Democrats. Data and experts suggest the public struggles to distinguish fact-based journalism from opinion content. Yeah, tell us about it. The standards used by traditional media outlets, like fact-checking, bylines, datelines, and corrections, have not been fully adopted by online news commentators on blogs. La la la. The old media sucks. The old media is horrific. As you know, I've talked about the New York Times. I've talked about the Washington Post. We've gone into great detail about all of it. About all of it. I mean, look at what they did with Russia collusion. They participated in it. They participated in that lie. And so as a result, nobody likes them. Now, on the Republican side, even the Democrats can't stand them. Now, there's a big case heading to the Supreme Court, and the media are all worried about it, and I think it's fantastic, and I pray to good Lord that it comes out the right way. And it's for next term. USA Today's John Fritzy or Fritz, puts it this way, Supreme Court to hear redistricting suit with deep implication for federal elections. Now, if you listen to this show, you'll understand this. The Supreme Court agreed to hear arguments in a North Carolina redistricting challenge wading into a simmering legal battle that could have profound implications for how states manage presidential and congressional elections. Okay, The appeal from the North Carolina Republican lawmakers could significantly weaken the ability of state courts nationwide to review laws for federal elections at a time when critics say the Supreme Court has become increasingly politicized. All right, this idiot, he's just full of crap. This is how he writes it, from a biased position. The case centers on North Carolina's recently redrawn congressional districts, a map that states' top court ruled this year was a partisan gerrymander that violated the state constitution. But Republicans are challenging not only whether North Carolina Carolina court got its decision right, but also other state courts have any role to play in reviewing laws passed by legislatures that deal with federal elections. That's what's important. You in this audience, you know this. Whether you listen to this program, watch Levin TV, watch Life, Liberty, and Levin, you in this audience know about Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2. The state legislatures, you know what took place in Pennsylvania and other states. Where the rogue Supreme Court in Pennsylvania, with five to two elected Democrats, changed the election laws, really close to the election. Where the governor and his apparatus in the executive branch changed the procedures and, and rules when it came to certain counties. We saw this in other states as well. This case was brought against... Pennsylvania, to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court refused to hear it. I've been banging the pots and pans on this ever since, as you well know. Because what happened is Mark Elias and the other slip and fall types, they were bringing lawsuits and lobbying their party left and right to change these decisions that have been made in these Republican legislative controlled states. The problem is, folks, the federal constitution gives the power to the legislatures it can't be clear i don't care what ruth bader ginsburg said 25 years ago it cannot be clear the language is right there this isn't for interpretation this is for execution and now this case hopefully brings this issue to the to the court like it should have last time around before the 2024 election before the 2024 election And it's important that they rule in 2023. So it's not viewed as part of the 2024 election. So they talk about here in the article, the case made its way to the nine justices at a time when the Supreme Court's role in the 2020 election has repeatedly come at a series of hearings. So they're going to try and intimidate the court. The article attacks Ginny Thomas, talks about Clarence Thomas, Because this guy's a crackpot. He's a screwball. This is how they uh, look at things. For conservative justices, blah, blah, blah. Hey, idiot. What's the Constitution say? Idiot. What's the guy's name? What did I say? Let's see here. USA Today. John Fritz. Schmuck. What's the Constitution say? State legislature, jerk. Yes. And let's hope that the state legislature rules and resolves this matter. We will have to resolve this question sooner or later, and the sooner we do the better, Associate Justice Alito wrote earlier this year, as he descended from the court's decision in one of the other matters. Let's resolve it, and resolve it the way the Constitution says, the state legislatures doesn't say the state. It's very unique. It says the state legislatures. They wanted the people's representatives in the states to make these decisions about electors. There's a lot of history behind this. A lot of history. Elections were very, very crucial in terms of getting states to, uh, to adopt the Constitution. Several of them sent amendments back, suggesting that we might want to address this in the future, but they never, ever wanted the national government, let alone the courts, to make decisions about elections. Elections. That's the stuff of people, not the stuff of black robe judges. I'll be right back.
1: Mark Lubin.
0: Congresswoman Lauren Hobart has a fantastic new book out, Ford by Senator Ted Cruz, My American Life. Congresswoman, how are you?
3: I am doing great, Mark. Thanks so much for having me on today.
0: It's a great cover there. You're standing and So you had four boys and there's your husband, right? Right. No girls.
3: Yes. No girls, uh, four boys and, and my husband. So uh, we certainly live a very adventurous life. Um, but you know, being a mom of four boys uh, has really prepared me for the immaturity and fits that are thrown in the halls of Congress, <laughs> and uh, and to really be able to take a hold of a situation and uh, and and use uh, the authority that I have to um, speak common sense into situations and uh, get things turned around and back on track. So, being a mom of four, a restaurant owner, uh, chaos and dysfunction have been a part of my life for a very long time. So, Congress is a perfect fit.
0: It makes sense. I was one of three boys in the middle, and my mother was very strong. She had to be, my father too, but my mother in particular. Uh, So I'm guessing you're the same in your household, right?
3: That's right. Well, my husband, he has worked in the oil and gas industry uh, our entire uh, life together and so most of the time he's worked two weeks on two weeks off so uh, I certainly filled uh, both roles whenever he was gone um, on his hitch at at the uh, at the rig and I would be there with the boys and uh, you know it, it's been um, a, a really great adventure uh, but the fake news tells so many stories about me And I wanted to be able to share my real story. So that is why I came out with this book, My American Life. Uh, It's available for pre-order today uh, and it's released tomorrow. But I wanted to share those stories of being raised in a Democrat household and uh, being stuck in that cycle of poverty because my mom believed the lies that Democrats told her. Uh, This is what you have to do to be successful. This is what you have to do to take care of your children and make sure that they are fed. But that put us in bread lines and waiting for government cheese. And when I uh, got my first job at the local Rifle McDonald's, uh, I learned that I could do a better job taking care of myself than government ever had. And so I became a self-taught conservative. And this book is filled with stories all along the way, the good, the bad, the ugly, the hilarious. And it, it's been such an amazing journey. And even um, just the things that have prompted me to step up and serve my country in this role as a United States representative.
0: And it is amazing how the media tried to destroy you and smear you. And that you're a very solid mm-hmm. person. You're a smart person. You're an accomplished person and you're young and you beat a five-term incumbent congressman. Who was that? Mm-hmm.
3: His name was Scott Tipton. So yes, he was a five-term, uh, Republican congressman, uh, but he was just going along to get along. uh, Very quiet, laid back, um, was just comfortable being the congressman and knew that if he didn't ruffle too many feathers uh, or stir up too many waters, then he could be the congressman as long as he wanted. Uh, That was until I decided to step up and say, we actually need a representative who represents us who speaks on our behalf who votes the way we want them to vote and i didn't see anyone else doing that i saw a whole lot of people giving away our freedoms rather than securing our freedoms as that oath of office uh, demands that they do. And um, so I, I stepped up to run no money, no name recognition, and um, really beat all odds. It was the first time in 48 years in Colorado that a Republican incu- and excuse me, an incumbent at all uh, lost a primary. And so it was an amazing victory, won by 10 points, went on to w- win the general and and then we just won another primary um, on June 28th uh, against another rhino. So I guess you could say I'm a professional political rhino <laughs> hunter. And, <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the American people want a strong voice. They want someone who will fight, will be principled, and will actually do what they say they will do on the campaign trail. Um, that is something that is so rare in the halls of Congress. Uh, people say all of these amazing things on the campaign trail and then they get to D.C. and they make excuses. Even many of the Republicans in our party will tell freshmen like myself, you know, this is the way we do things here. And I have to remind them, Mark, no one likes the way you do things here. Mm -hmm. And I came to do them differently. (laughs) So um, that that's uh, just a a piece of uh, what's in the story there in my American life that goes on sale tomorrow.
0: Now, this book is on sale tomorrow, but you can order it tonight and get it tomorrow. And it is a fantastic book, My American Life. You can get it on Amazon.com right now. You'll get it tomorrow or any major bookstore, Amazon.com, My American Life. And that's the thing. A lot of these guys and gals, they come to Washington. I remember the tea party, and we lost about half of them in the first three weeks because Boehner got a hold of them and said, okay, boys, this is how we do things now. And mm-hmm. uh, you can see people not to cause a problem for it. Kingsinger had happened to others It happened to, and it was really uh, dispiriting. But then there's a handful like mm-hmm. you. Can you hold on till after the break? Sure. All right. We're going to be right back with Lauren Boebert. My American Life is the book. I encourage you to go get it during the break. Amazon.com. I'll be right back. in at checkout fastgrowingtrees.com code levin offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply please visit fastgrowingtrees.com for details
1: this is the ministry of truth the mark laven show call in now
0: 877-381-3811 the book is my american life it's very much worth reading too And uh, one of the up-and-comers, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Lauren Boebert. Lauren Boebert, what did your husband think of you running for Congress?
3: You know, Mark, this is something that he and I actually uh, sat down and talked about and and prayed about together. Um, We knew that it was going to be uh, tough being apart, um, especially me being away from home. I've I've been home. Um, I, I was there for more than 17 years. And now for the past almost three years, I've been gone. Um, and, and so we had an idea about it, but um, he, he knew that there needed to be um, something dramatic take place to redirect our nation. Uh, and and we didn't even know how bad it was about to get. Uh, so he, he's had my back the entire way. And um, he stepped up, learned how to uh, uh, cook dinner and do dishes uh, while I am away uh, fighting for the country. Uh, but we certainly do know how to cherish those times when we're together, uh, after being apart so long. And, uh, you know, I, it's great to have a supportive family, um, behind me. But, you know, the, the family thing is, is so important, Mark. And, and the Democrats have attacked the nuclear family for, for decades. They have subsidized, uh, single motherhood. And, uh, and, and I, I've seen it firsthand. I mean, that's, that's the cycle my mom was stuck in. And, uh, really everything that I was taught growing up, I should be a Democrat. They expect me to remain a Democrat, and now that I am an outspoken conservative who has seen the light, who has seen that there is a better way forward, they absolutely attack me. Uh, the the party that's supposed to be for women hates me and uh, will uh, will absolutely drag me through the mud uh, of, about my femininity any chance that they get uh any uh the the party that is supposed to be for minorities hates that i won this seat and i'm serving in the house of representatives and it's just because i do not go with their agenda and i have broken Mm -hmm. free from their cycle
0: and uh it's probably going to go worse before it gets better let me ask you this was washington what you expected to be or better or worse
3: you know, it, I, I would say both. Um, it's definitely a lot worse than I thought because Nancy Pelosi controls every square foot of of the Capitol. That is no longer the people's house. That is Pelosi's house, and it is devastating. We saw that at the beginning with, with the fences and the razor wire and the 26,000 armed National Guard because armed security and walls work. Uh, the elites get that. Um, uh, but also, I think it's so much better because I thought I was going to Washington, D.C., and I would find maybe four other members of Congress who were actually there for the right reasons. And I found a lot more than four. Uh, and so there are um, a, a lot of men and women who have stepped up to answer this call. Many of them are serving in the House Freedom Caucus. And uh, these are the members that I surround myself with, who I spend time with, who I learn from, and uh, and really pursue um, saving the country with uh, many of the things that um, have been exposed under the Biden administration is because we have got out in front and we've had legislation um to reverse course, to expose what's happening, to to stop what they're doing. And uh, and we really put that out there as the tip of the spear. Um And and we were we were successful in getting some of that undone. I mean, look at. um the, the board of propaganda, the 1984 ministry, uh, Orwellian ministry of truth. Uh, you know, we, we came out heavy against that. And now the board is paused and Nina Jankowicz has resigned. Uh, so, you know, these are some of the exciting things that have happened, um, just in my first year of Congress serving with great men and women who are there for the right reasons. And, uh, some of those stories are in my book as well, My American Life, which is also available on audible.com. My story in my voice to your ears.
0: It's a great book. My American Life, the hardcover version. It comes out tomorrow. You might want to get it now on Amazon.com. I know there's a lot of books out there, but this is a very, very interesting book. You're a citizen. Member of Congress, you know, you're one of these people Mm -hmm. few and far between. Trump was an example, and there's a handful of others. He came to Washington you didn't have a big political or any political career behind you. You beat the system, and now you're in the system. You're fighting the system, mm-hmm. and the Swiss the system tries to devour you. And yeah. uh, it's interesting. You say you won against a 10-term congressman, which you did, or five terms or whatever, how many terms. That is a big darn district, too. You had to do a lot of campaigning.
3: That's right. Uh, so there's about 52,000 square miles in my district. I represent almost half the state of Colorado. And I was out with the people. And, you know, this was in the midst, I don't want to even call it in the midst of COVID. I'd say in the midst of tyranny, when everything was being shut down, we were still fighting against that and trying everything that we could to get the message out uh, that there was someone who was willing to take a stand against what was happening in Washington, D.C. and be a strong voice to redirect this nation. Uh, So there was a lot of campaigning, but uh, I, I don't regret a a single mile of it, a single day of it, because I met so many incredible people and I still work my district each and every day uh, that I'm in Colorado so I can um, communicate with my constituents, hear their issues. Um, fight on issues when it comes to public lands and our water uh, uh, resources and and our natural resources in Colorado. And these are the things that um, are really impacting uh, Coloradans the most. I mean, look at we're all paying five dollars or more for, for gasoline, um, but I guess we should count our blessings because last year we saved 16 cents on hot dogs and this year we get an yeah. 18 cent holiday on fuel. Yeah, um, right. so maybe I should just be a little more grateful. Um, uh, but you know, I, it's just such an honor to, to serve them, uh, in this position and, uh, and to be their representative. You know, I think that's something that a lot of members of Congress, uh, lose sight of. The people are the government. The, the people are the ones who are in control here. We are merely representatives of them.
0: So the book is My American Life. Go to Amazon.com, ladies and gentlemen. I encourage you to get it. This is a true citizen, not politician, citizen representative uh, in the halls of Congress. And she's maintained her principles for which, of course, she's attacked, attacked within the Republican Party and outside the Republic. You know, you're really not a controversial figure. The positions you take are traditional, conservative, Mm -hmm. constitutional positions. There's really nothing wacky or right wing or anything like that. But but I'm, I'm quite familiar with what they try to do with the character assassination. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I'd say your positions are, are totally in line with a Barry Goldwater, with a Ronald Reagan, much of a Donald Correct. Trump and so forth. And that's why you're under attack, because you're a conservative.
3: Correct. Yes, there's nothing extreme about getting back to the Constitution. There's nothing extreme about wanting secure borders and safe communities, uh, funded police. Uh, It's amazing um, how they will take uh, the positions that I have put forward and and try to twist those as something that is radical and extreme when uh, really we just want a more perfect union.
0: All right. If people want to help you in your general election, where do they go?
3: laurenforfreedom.com uh we are certainly going to need all the help we we can get we are running up against the democrat aspen adam uh who has a sugar mama for a wife and has given him millions of dollars for this race so lauren aspen what what's the name aspen adam that's what i'm calling him he's adam adam frisch from aspen uh He's actually Aspen Adam from New York, New York City, and he wants to <laughs> represent rural Colorado. Are you kidding me? No one from Aspen can represent rural Colorado, especially coming out of New York City. So uh, the, laurenforfreedom.com is my campaign website. You can learn more about me there. Um, help me in this race and, and donate. And then, uh, of course, um, get my book, My American Life, that is available for pre-order. You can go to audible.com and get the audio version or get the hard copy tonight.
0: All right. Well, we appreciate you. We appreciate this book, My American Life by uh, Congressman Bobert. You can get it right there on Amazon.com. Be delivered to you tomorrow. Good luck. Take care of yourself.
3: Thanks so much, Mark. God bless you. God bless America. You. Love you all.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen to that. My wife and I took a real liking to her. We met her and several other candidates and several others. We took a real liking to also, but down to earth and so forth just exactly as she appears and of course they try to ruin her, which is why I try to defend people like this. It's ridiculous All right Folks we talk a lot about current events on this show, which we should But there are other things in life, too They give us perspective. What am I talking about? How about the nature of good and evil? Or faith and prayer, just to name a few. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, let's take a call. Frank, Boston, Massachusetts, the Mark Levin app. Go right
1: ahead, Frank. Yes, sir. I was horrified by General Petraeus last night. I thought you handled it perfectly. You, you let him basically hang himself, and then you very politely t- told him you disagreed with him, but then he answered, and this is my question to you, he answered with something about the U.S. budget, ju- just as you were cut off. Did you understand what he meant by that?
0: Yeah, he's telling us that uh, the Congress... This committee in the Senate has come up with 40 billion dollars more than Biden has proposed But so what our problem is we're not keeping up whatever. It's 40 billion 100 billion 12 billion I have no idea the Chinese are killing us in terms of uh, Of of what they are uh, expanding right now, so to give me Washington speak doesn't really work, but at the end I heard him do that and I said all right, let's go but I wanted people to hear what he had to say. I didn't want to start. Look, to be honest, I could most of the guests I have, if I disagree with them, it wouldn't even be a match. So now, you know, now you feel what he was saying. Didn't he sound very political to you?
1: Oh, I thought he might be running to be secretary of defense or or the national security advisor. He had some ulterior motive. And by the way, he was a
0: great general, so I don't want to dismiss that. He really was. Yellow. Yellow. Did we lose you? No, I'm here. Okay. Frank, I want to thank you. You're very perceptive. Thank you, buddy. All right, let's take a few more here while we have time. Becky, Arlington, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go right ahead, please.
3: I wanted to comment about Monticello. These yeah. um, anti Jefferson um, guides, I wonder how they feel about China and Mao. Mm. Um, and somebody ought to address the current slavery going on in China. And also, Kamala Harris's ancestor, now Hamilton Bolton. Let me slow you Brown-Bones down. Keep in,
0: mind a number, keep in mind the guy we talked about, this David Rubenstein, who's the big funder of this stuff, $20 million or so forth. He was praising the government of China, the economy of China, and he has enormous investments in China. Remember? Mm -hmm.
3: It's
2: true.
0: Anyway, go ahead.
3: Yes, um, but remember Kamala Harris also owned slaves. uh, No, um, her ancestor, Hamilton Brown, owned
1: slaves. Who?
3: But you never heard about that. Who owned slaves? Um, Hamilton Brown, Kamala Harris's um, great, 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 great grandfather. Oh, that's true. We
0: talked about that at one point. Yep. I can assure you that my ancestors did not own slaves. In fact, they were slaves. Take a look at the pyramids. All right, my friend. Thank you for your call. Let's continue, shall we? I think I will. Let's go to Jeff Jacksonville, Florida, the great WBOB. W Bob, go.
1: Hi, Mark. Appreciate yes, you taking my call. Um, I've been curious about the uh, uh, the, the G- January 6th defendants and the attorneys that represent them. Um, I'm just an old retired dirt lawyer down here in Florida, real estate and title work and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the only criminal offender that I've ever represented was in a traffic court back in really my career. But. Um, is the writ of habeas corpus been suspended in Washington?
0: You raise a good question, don't you? I don't know. Seems like it, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I haven't heard anybody talk about it when they come on television. Um, you know, I'm going to ask Julie
0: Kelly that next time I speak to her, because it's 180 days, and that's it.
1: No, you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's my thought, and I've I've always been curious as to why nobody's doing it. I've heard that the attorneys up there are afraid to take cases. Now, but
0: some of them have been very aggressive. But you're right; the attorneys and the law firms are afraid to take cases. And by the way, they were afraid to take cases during the uh, the various challenges in 2020. You actually yeah, had uh, big companies with these uh, these blue chip firms threatening to uh, withdraw their uh, their their representation of these uh, with these uh, these firms.
1: Exactly. Well, if uh, you could find that answer out. Well, next just, time uh, she's here,
0: I'm going to ask. It's a good question. All right, buddy. Quickly, Carl, New York, New York, the great W.A.B.C. Go.
1: Yes. Uh, good evening, Mr. Levin. Uh, here's yes, the deal. Uh, the Fed in some states are preparing to give funds to women seeking abortions in more liberal states. If state I'll if tell you ready. what,
0: Carl, I miss the clock here. Mr. Call let's get Carl's number in New York. We'll call him tomorrow. We'll call you tomorrow, Carl. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, and the men and women in Ukraine. God bless each and every one of you. And I'll see you tomorrow, folks. Be well.